Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. I've been talking about the last couple of episodes about this thought of can we avoid falling away or falling into the valley, I guess you can say. And it was something that I really would ask myself, like, if I get out of this valley, am I going to fall back in? Is it impossible to stay out? And for a long time, and I've even recorded this saying, it is impossible to stay out. You're going to fall into the valley. There's there's no way to stay out of it. And I actually want to retract that statement because it's not true because I have been able to stay out. Now, do I have bad days? 100%. I was just deep in isolation a couple of weeks ago, avoiding things, you know, avoiding phone calls, canceling plans, living in my bedroom. I do have bad days. So I don't want anyone to think, wow, I wish I was like Taryn who just doesn't have bad days because I have I have bad days. I'm in bad moods. I'm irritable. I'm annoyed. I have days where I can't stop thinking about drinking and smoking. Like I made a reel a couple of days ago about when you're trying to overcome addictions, what it's like. And as I was doing some work on my computer, these thoughts just kept coming in. Like you should have a glass of wine. This would be so much fun. If you were drinking, you you need to be more creative. You should go smoke. You should go. And I'm like, get out of my head. Stop. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not. Nope. We're not like move on. We're not doing this. Like I have days where I'm tempted. I have, I, I sin just like everyone else, but you can't avoid that. No, we all fall short and sin. We all fall short. And you can't avoid those things, but you can avoid the valley. And there is a difference. If you're in the valley, that's where you cannot overcome what is going on. You cannot combat the thoughts. You feel trapped. You feel hopeless. You feel lost. It's this feeling of of like desperation and massive hopelessness that you just cannot overcome. And you're usually there for more than a day. I would say if you have a feeling just for the day, um, I mean, I, it's up, it's up to you. Maybe you would say, yeah, this day I was in the Valley, but for me, I'm like, I had a bad day and I was headed towards the Valley, but I, but I, knew what to do when I pulled myself out. I didn't get into the valley. I just started walking down the mountain and was like, okay, Taryn, be careful. Don't keep going. Don't keep going. And then it finally was like, okay, we're not, we're not doing this. And then I I walked back up. So you can avoid falling away, falling away from the danger of the valley and falling away from God. And 
it's all based on your heart. So I was watching a movie last night with my husband. We, does anyone else just find it so overwhelming how many options there are of things to watch? We're like, let's watch TV. We turn on the TV. I'm like, let's pick Netflix. So we pick Netflix. And then I'm like, what should we watch? What should we watch? What should we watch? And we basically just watch like 20 previews of things and trailers. And then I'm like, okay, just turn the TV off. Let's read and go to bed. Like, and I get so annoyed. I'm like, I wish that we just had a TV guide. And it was like, do you want to watch you know, this or this? Do you want to watch MTV Cribs or... Do you want to watch E! News? Like back in the old days when I was younger, it was so nice. Like, you know, you have the real world or you have this other show that you're watching. So it's, it's overwhelming for me. So I saw that trending and a top pick movie was there and I clicked on it and it had one of the actors that I really love. And it also had a uh, Tina Fey and I just think she's so funny. So I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Let's watch this movie. Let's watch it. So we watched the movie and it starts playing and it was really funny in the beginning. And all of a sudden they used God's name in vain. And I was like, oh, like I hate that. You can say the F word. You can say the C word, like whatever. Those I can just brush off. You say JC or GD, like it just is, oh, it's like in my soul. Like I just cringe. I hate it. And when someone says it in front of me, I say in my head, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. You know, they, they don't even get it. They're, they're lost in who they are and it's fine. And I can, I can talk to you and move on. But when it's in a movie and it's scripted and they placed it in the script, it's just, it hits different. And so I was like, oh, why did they have to do that? Like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll keep watching. Let's see what happens. And then they started normalizing sin, like drinking, getting drunk, having one night stand, sleeping around, used God's name in vain again. They um, were joking around about going to hell. And we're like, that's not even real. I was like, okay, and we're done. Like turn the movie off. And it's crazy because at one point in my life recently, not even that long ago, it wouldn't have, none of that would have bothered me at all. And, and you might be listening to this and you're like, loosen up, Taryn. It's not that big of a deal. Like just, you know, don't be so tight laced. What I used to tell my mom when she wouldn't let me watch Jersey shore when I was growing up and she'd be like, turn that garbage off in my home. I mean, mom, come on. Like you're so old, like loosen up, stop being like this, you know, but now I, I am my mother in my house with my children. I'm like, what rated is, what rating is that? And so, um, no, I get it now, but just recently, I that wouldn't have bothered me at all. I would have been like, mm, I wish they wouldn't have said GD, but whatever, I'm over it. But I'm realizing, so I actually wrote the notes out for this episode for Avoid Falling in the Way. I wrote out some of them uh, March 6th. Oh, no, not March 6th. That's today. I was like, March 6th. Oh, October 11th. Okay, here we go. Created October 11th. So it's been a while and I have a whole section in the notes on my phone for upcoming wake up calls. And when God tells me something or I hear something at church or I hear someone, a group of people constantly talking about the same topic, I'm like, okay, we need to do a call on this eventually. And then I kind of just let it sit in my notes and, and I pray 
for God to lead me to whatever message I need to talk about in the moment. And I'll read through all my headings and kind of look through them and pray that the Holy Spirit guides me. And then I pick one and I finish the notes on it. And then I come on and do the episode. I used to just get on and press record and literally just shoot from the hip, like whatever we're talking about. I don't even know what we're talking about before I press record. It was good, but it was sometimes they were a little unorganized and I wish I had more information. And so now this is kind of what I do, but I wrote this out on October 11th to avoid falling away because to me, I was asking myself the question, can we avoid falling away? And I wanted to know what the Bible said about falling away and how we can avoid this. And I never knew the answer and it just sat in my notes. And today when I was going through and looking at what I wanted to talk about, I thought of my movie last night and it it was definitely the Holy Spirit because the connection that it made, it just made sense to me. And I was like, I really want to share this example about why it bothered me so bad and why I was cringing and just absolutely hated this movie. and. It's because now I have a healthy heart and I realized a healthy heart is the key to avoid falling away or falling into the valley, really just avoid falling. Let's just say that you're falling away from God. You're falling into the valley and you're falling and you can have a healthy heart and you can have an unhealthy heart. And my heart used to be very unhealthy. Now we're not talking like cholesterol and, you know, things like that. We're, we're talking about a healthy spiritual heart. And so a healthy heart is sensitive to sin and it's need for God. So it survives on God's love. So it's very quick to recognize that things are not of God. Like right away, you're like, oh, something's off. This is not okay. This is not good. This is evil. This has a bad feeling, a bad presence. Immediately, you notice this feeling. So maybe you are watching a movie. Maybe you're listening to a song. Maybe you are at a bar with some friends or you're, um, you know, just doing something that's an everyday thing that you wouldn't feel necessarily like it's wrong, but all of a sudden you feel bad about it. And this started happening to me with all of those things, you know, music I used to love, know every word for, I'm like, I cannot believe I used to listen to this song and worse memorized every single word, like every single word to Colt 45. Like, you know, like every single word to these like nasty songs. And I'm like, I was in like seventh grade when I used to listen to this, like what is wrong with me? And it just shows, you know, you grow and you change. And, but I used to just sing them like it was no big deal. And now I am like such a prude. Like, I cannot believe that this is what I used to talk about, but even some friends that I'm with and my best friends in the whole world that I've been friends with since elementary. And it's been the three of us, you know, even sometimes being around them when we were just out to breakfast or something in the way they're talking and the things they're talking about. I'm like, I, I can't believe she's saying this. I can't believe this is how she thinks, or I can't, but you know, like just things like that, you really see a change and this happens over time. Um, I'm going to tell you how to have a healthy heart. So if you're like, this is great, Taryn, but tell me how to change. I will tell you, um, the ways to have a healthy heart. Um, the, the first biggest way to have a healthy heart is to turn to Christ, to humbly admit your human weakness and confess the sin 
And this is going to silence the evil. So for me watching this movie, I could have sat there and been like, oh God, I feel so guilty. Like, I can't believe I watched this and what am I doing? And, and just like condemnation and, and regret and, or maybe you like went out to the bar and you ended up getting drunk and you're like feeling so bad about it. Like, oh, why did I do that? I said, I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I can't believe I'm doing that. Or you hit someone's joint and you're like, I said, I wasn't going to do this anymore. Or you're swearing or you're acting like someone who, you know, you're not that person anymore, but you're doing, because as we start walking with God, we're walking with God, but we're also in a world where we're trying to walk with the world at the same time. So you're constantly being pulled back and forth, like the Sunday version of you at church versus the Friday night version of you in the beginning, when you learn to walk with God, those versions are very different. <laughs> like the Friday version of me and the Sunday version are two totally different people. But the more you walk with God and the more you get closer to him, what happens is that Friday version ends up being pretty close to the Sunday version. But if you fall away, remember, it's it's normal. We all fall short of the glory of God and sin. All. We all fall short. So the devil wants you wrapped up in your sin of, oh, I can't believe I did that. And that's so terrible. And oh, what is going to happen in this, just this guilt and shame and condemnation. And, and we do all of this, but I want to tell you that all you have to do is you have to turn to God and say, Lord, I am a weak human. And this is why I need you. Forgive me for getting drunk on the weekend. Forgive me for lusting after that person. Forgive me for lying, for cheating, for stealing, for smoking, for you name it. Forgive me for watching that movie and spending my time with that. All you have to do is just turn to God. We forget that. And all you have to do is just turn to him, admit you're weak. I can't do this without you. And the fact that you even acknowledge that what you did was wrong is huge. Because a lot of people don't even ever acknowledge that. They don't even ever think that getting belligerently drunk on the weekends is there's something wrong with that. They never even think that lusting after someone is wrong. They never even think, I mean, hello, the movie was literally trending. It's a trending top pick movie on Netflix. So obviously it's trending because people really like the movie. So my point's proven. This movie is so popular because people don't even realize it. And I'm not saying the name of the movie because I, I don't want you guys to focus on the movie. I want you to focus on just plug in any movie, any show that's like this, where you're like, wow, I really shouldn't be watching that. And you know, my boys are 13. They're like, why can't I watch Rated R? You know, we're old enough. I'm like, I don't even want to watch Rated R movies. It's, it has nothing to do about age. It, nobody should be watching stuff like that. Nobody should be watching other people have sex. Nobody should be watching people get wasted and cheat and whatever. Like we shouldn't be allowing our eyes and our ears to hear that and just opening up that evil to come dwell within us. And then also what you see and hear over and over and over and over becomes normal. Like, yeah, it's normal. I mean, if you watch secular movies, almost every single secular movie, people are having one night stands constantly. Their people are constantly going home and sleeping with people. I'm like, this is not normal. This is not okay. But because you're showing it over and over and over and over, they're trying to groom the younger kids. Like, this is fine. You can't marry someone without having sex first. How would you know how it's going to be? 
you know, like this thought, like people are like, no, don't do that. Like, make sure you move in, make sure you sleep with them, make sure you know everything. And then, you know, if things are okay, you can get married. And that's not what God says to do. So we get desensitized from it and we're just, it's normal to us and it's no big deal. But if you recognize that there's something wrong with this, then that's really good because you're recognizing it. Your heart is like, hold on, this is, this is not okay. We should not be doing this. So if you sin and do something wrong, just admit to God, I'm sorry. I am weak. I am dumb. I need you. Please forgive me. Thank you for bringing it to my attention and making me aware that this is not okay. The old version of me wouldn't even have thought twice. So I'm glad that I'm thinking about it. You know, that's progress and that's good. But turning to God, it, it prompts us to turn, it pr- prompts us to turn immediately away from sin and it draws us towards the source of light. So that's what's happening when you're like, I'm turning to Christ immediately. And by having a healthy heart, you're able to experience all that God has for you. Because a lot of us don't ever get to experience that. And with God, there is an infinite amount of things to experience. And a lot of us just think, okay, I said the sinner's prayer. I gave my life to God. I go to church on Sunday. Like, I'm good. Well, it's it's not that you're good. Like, yes, you might get into heaven. And if you believe that Christ was sent here as a human to die on the cross for your sins, there is no way to get into heaven, but believe and trust in him. You're going to go to heaven. And we're not talking about just getting into heaven, though. We're talking about living an abundant life. And that's really what I'm here for is to help you live an abundant life. It's not just to get into heaven, but while you're here on this earth, let's make the time the best it can be and be abundant and fulfilled and living this life on purpose where you wake up every day and you just cannot wait to live your life. And that's what I'm about because you can achieve that. You can achieve that no matter what is going around you, circumstances, the hand that you're dealt, the generational sins that you're trying to grow past, the trauma and tragedy that's happening around you right now, the diagnosis, the pain, the loss, you can go through all of that and still experience so much more of what God has to offer for you and turning your pain into purpose and just opening the floodgates of abundance and fulfillment and joy onto you. And so the more that you turn to Christ and repent for what you're doing, this is going to help you to experience the fullness of God. And that's really what you want to do. So this is why you want to have a healthy heart so that you can be aware when something goes wrong right away and you you're off the path for like a second and you're right back. And I've said before that the picture of you're walking down this path and it's a nice, um, I don't know where everyone lives, obviously, who's listening to this. I was recently made aware that not everyone knows what a two track is. Someone was like, what's a two track? I'm like, okay, I guess this is the thing that like not everybody knows. But here in Michigan, we have two track roads, which are basically paths that go through the woods. And because people have just driven on them with their cars through the woods, it's made like two tire tracks. So there's like two tire tracks where there's no grass and then there's grass in the middle. 
So what is that called where you live? Um, <laughs> everyone probably has a different thing. We call them two tracks here. And if you're like real, um, we call those dirt roads. Okay. So we have lots of dirt roads, but our dirt roads are like made by the County and we grate them and we put fresh dirt on them. And, you know, it's a full dirt road, like two cars could pass each other and it's dirt. Okay. A two track is like, if another car is coming towards you, one of you are going into the woods with your car to try to like get out of the way. Okay. So it's, um, I love hearing what different people, you know, call different things, but you know, you have these two tracks that people drive on over and over and over and it forms this road. So uh, I like to just think that you're walking on this two track. Like you can tell that it's been traveled on and you're on this road and you're like, okay, this is good. And you can kind of see God ahead of you a little bit, just like, you know, he's not too far in front of you, but he's not right there. And you're kind of like paying attention, like, where should I follow him? And then all of a sudden you get distracted and you're, you're in the woods and there are thorns and vines and bushes and you can't see the path anymore. And you're like, okay, now I'm stuck in here. And I don't like, how am I going to get out? And you're running through the thorns and trying to break your way through back to the path. Walking down the path is very different than walking through the thorns and the brush and the shrubs and the vines and all of that. You can't really walk that fast and you're constantly being injured. So this is how I feel when you're following God and you're walking down that path, that clear path where you're following him, you're paying attention versus I veered off the path and now I'm in the vines. So anytime that you fall into temptation, any kind of sin really, you get distracted, you get too busy, you're off the path. And if you continue off the path for a period of time, then you're going to be so far off the path that you're tangled in these vines and it's going to feel so hard to get back. If you have a healthy heart and it immediately corrects you of, oh, hang on, this is wrong. Like, like last night, because my heart was healthy, when I started watching that movie, I stepped off the path and then I, I really just stepped right back on the path and was like, okay, good. I'm back here before I would have stepped off the path and just kept going that way and not have realized that what I was doing was wrong. And it's leading me to more hurt, more sin, more consequence, more problems down the path. So an unhealthy heart, it's not really sensitive to center itself around God it's really slow to realize when it wanders from God because it's just not deeply rooted in God's love. So what it does instead, it attempts to manage the sin by excusing it as simple pleasures while trying to avoid the consequences of the sin. And in return, you're now hiding from God. So let's say you go out um, your friend is having a birthday party at a bar and invites you and you've been really trying not to drink and you don't really want to hang out in a bar because you're getting closer to God and you're like, I really don't want to do this anymore, but it's her birthday and I'm going to go anyway and it'll be fine. I can have a couple drinks. It'll be good. You go to the bar, you have too many drinks and 
if you have a healthy heart, you're like, wow, I really shouldn't have done that. Lord, forgive me. I feel awful. Help me. I am a weak human. Help me to walk in your ways. Thank you for, for bringing this to my acknowledgement. Um, you get stronger from it and you realize, okay, if you have an unhealthy heart, you go out, you have too many drinks and you're like, you know what? It's fine. Like I didn't drive and I can have fun. I mean, it was a couple drinks, like whatever. I was drunk. I did say some really stupid things. I did smoke. And I said, I wasn't going to smoke anymore. And I did stop and eat all that Taco Bell on my way home. And I told myself I wasn't going to eat like crap anymore. So like, it's fine though. I can, I deserve to have a night out and to have fun. I've been working so hard. I am so stressed out. It felt good. I was just out with my friends and I didn't like cheat on my husband or anything. And it was fine. So, you know, you're making sense of it. Like, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Everyone can go out and drink. Everyone does it. It's, it's fine. You're trying to make yourself feel better. And I know that, and I could be really relatable to you because I walked this path and I lived this life of it's fine. Weed is legal in Michigan. It's legal here. It's no different than drinking. It's better than drinking because it's natural. God made it, you know, like you can justify anything. And so if you're trying to make excuses and you're like, it's fine. It's just a simple pleasure. Like it's, it's fine. God wants me to be happy. I'm still going to heaven. No, you are still going to heaven. You are, but the purpose isn't to just go to heaven. And I'm trying to raise my boys right now to realize that religion, that the world says religion, which I don't like religion. I don't consider myself to be a religious person at all because I'm not about a bunch of do's and don'ts and just do this because people say you're going to do it. I'm, I'm more about a relationship, but my kids are like, well, this is just, a bunch of do's and don'ts. This is keeping me from having my best life. And actually following Christ might feel like you're not able to have as much fun and you're not able to do the things of the world. But I promise you, it's going to help you have a better life than all of those people. Because the people are out at the bar being drunk and seeming like they're having so much fun. You know, karaoke and dancing and laughing and they're with all these people. And it looks like this is the best time ever. I'm going to miss out. But those people probably don't have a good marriage. Now, I'm not saying everybody because there are exceptions. But I'm just saying in general, the people that are out doing these things probably don't have the best relationships with their spouse, with their kids, with their family. There's probably a lot of brokenness there. Um, they're probably not having a healthy heart where they feel like they're forgiving everyone. They have a lot of gratitude. They might have some anger in their life. They have some control uh, on their life from substances like alcohol, or they just feel a lot of chains, like dragging them down. They have a lot of pride, a lot of control in general. Um, you know, all of these things that are happening to them. And God says that he sent Jesus here so that we would have an abundant life. And that's what he means is he's not just trying to keep us from having fun. I mean, even Jesus gave wine to the wedding and everyone had a great time and they were dancing and they were singing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that. I'm saying that if you're going above and beyond and it's becoming a problem in your life and it's becoming this hold on you, then it's a problem. If you can go out and have a glass of wine and laugh a little and you're fine, you know, going home and you don't have to stay there and be belligerent or doing it every single weekend or every single day and it doesn't have a stronghold on you, it's fine. 
but it does have a stronghold on me, even one glass. So that's why I've made the decision. I have to be sober because there is no fine line for me. But like I said, in the beginning, I still struggle with temptation because uh, about probably two weeks ago now, my husband and I had planned to go on a date and our kids were staying the night at my mom's house. So we were going to go out to a really nice dinner and get dressed up and go to dinner and uh, walk around in this downtown area. And we were just going to have this like nice romantic date just to connect. We haven't been together at all. We've been so busy and doing things. So I'm like, my mom's going to take the kids. This is just going to be great. And I'm like, I really wish that I could drink. I really wish I could drink wine. Like I would love to go to this nice, fancy seafood restaurant and have a glass of red wine and, you know, feel a little buzzy and happy and just like sensual and like just spice things up. And like, this is going to be better. And you know, me and my husband will be more connected. And I had this whole thought in my head for like two days. And I even told my husband, I was like, I think I'm going to drink a glass of wine when we go on our date. Like I could drink a glass of wine. I'm with you. I'm with my husband. I'm not driving. I'm not like out at a party. Like I can do that. I think that I'll be fine. And he didn't say anything at first. And he's like, okay, you know, whatever. And then I brought it up again. And he's like, I don't know why you think that you're going to have a better time with me if you're drinking a glass of wine. Like we have so much fun together. Like, why do you feel like you have to drink wine? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I guess I just, it just came in my head. He's like, well, it's a lie. It's not true. You know that you won't, you know, that you'll drink more than one glass of wine. You know, you're going to have so much regret the next day that you're going to be like, oh, I've been sober for zero days. Like I'm starting back over from day one. He's like, or what are you just going to lie and just keep telling everyone you're sober, even though you drank <laughs> like, well, no, he's like, you don't need a drink. It's fine. And I realized like, just like that, the devil had this grip on me. Like you should drink. It'll be so much better. And I really was thinking about it. Like, I really, truly was like, I think I'm going to. And then yesterday it was really warm here in Michigan. It was like in the sixties, which is like scorching hot for March. <laughs> we all were like wearing shorts and t-shirts. <laughs> I'm like, it's so hot. Oh, I should put my bathing suit on. You know, it was like really nice and it was triggering for me. I told my husband too, I'm like, this warm weather is triggering for me for drinking. All I kept thinking of was margaritas and a cold craft beer. And so like the thought doesn't go away. The temptation doesn't go away. I mean, eventually it will. Like I no longer have temptations to smoke cigarettes. It's been like six years since I smoked a cigarette and I don't think about it. I hate them. I'm repulsed by cigarettes now. So God will deliver things from you. Something that you struggle with it will just be delivered from you sometimes where it's like, I all of a sudden don't care about it. It doesn't matter. He can do that. But a lot of times that's not the case. And if you have a healthy heart, you're able to turn from it really quick. If your heart is unhealthy, you're not able to do that. And you're very slow to realize. So you're wandering. And as you're slow to realize, hold on a second, I'm off of God's path. Everything else is happening around you too. There's a lot of consequences, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. You're not walking in your abundance. If you're going to be alive and you're going to live on this earth, why not make it the best experience ever? I, truly, like you have the power to do that by linking with God and living a life with him. It has nothing to do about 
who you were born to, where you live, the skills you have, the talents you have, the education you have, none of that matters because you can change any of that. You can't obviously change who you were born to, but you can change what traits you take from them. You can't change what has happened to you, but you can forgive it. You can, you have the opportunity to change your heart so that you can experience this life. And I am so grateful that I've struggled with the things that I've struggled with because if I just grew up and everything was great in my life and there were no problems and nothing, then people would look at me and think, well, yeah, it's easy to have a good, healthy, happy, fulfilled, abundant life for you. You had this perfect life. Of course, it, you know, it was easy. And so I'm glad that it wasn't because to me, it gives everyone hope that it doesn't matter where you've come from, what's happened to you. Obviously it matters. It matters to me, matters to you. It matters to God. He cares what has happened to you. He cares what you've overcome, the tragedies, the losses, the traumas. He cares, but it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't say this is what you've done. Well, this is who you are the rest of your life. This is what's happened to you. Well, now this is who you're going to be forever because it's that's not our identity. We are created to be set apart, chosen, righteous with God forgiven, holy, a saint. All of these things are literally in the Bible. If you don't know your identity and your inheritance that's already been promised to you, then you can go to my Instagram at Taryn Sarconi, click on the link in my bio, and I have free downloads. And you can download your identity and your inheritance, and it'll tell you the scripture of where it came from in the Bible. And you can print it out and put it on your wall and you can say it out loud to yourself every single day. This is who I am. This is who I was created to be. And the more messed up you are, the more you need to print this out. Because a lot of people are like, "Mm, I'm too far gone. Nope, this is for you. If you feel like you are the worst person alive and there is no saving for you, you need to print this out more than ever because it's who you are. It's who you were designed to be, your identity, your true identity before sin and filth and anything had a say in it. So is it possible to avoid falling away? Yes. How? By having a healthy heart. But how do you have a healthy heart? No, you don't just eat Cheerios, which is so BS. I'm like, this is not even true. Who is letting them market and put this on the box that eating Cheerios is going to give you a healthy heart? No, it is not. Like, stop lying to the people with your marketing. I can't even take it. Side note, I can't even take it. I can't. My kids are like, Cheerios are so good, mom. I'm like, no, they're not. But there's a heart on the box. They're not good for you. It's just to get you to buy the box. Okay, they're not. Uh, They're still like 20 grams of sugar in a bowl. Okay, anyway, nothing against General Mills. (laughs) I think that's who makes it, right? Um, okay. Yeah. So you need to ask God to give you one. It's literally all you have to do. You want a healthy heart. You ask God to give you one because he is more than willing to do this for you. And we are all born with spiritual heart disease. 
And Jeremiah 17, nine says the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can even understand it? And we are all born with spiritual heart disease because we're all born with sin. And later in Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah 24, seven, he writes, I will give them a heart to know me for I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God. And Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, moreover, I will give you a brand new heart and put a brand new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. Jesus came here and died so that you could have a pure heart because we are all damaged by sin. Every single one of them, of us is damaged by sin. And God sent his son, Jesus here to die on the cross as the sacrifice to make us clean. So when you say the sinner's prayer of Lord, I can't do this anymore. I admit that I am weak. I am powerless against this sin. I cannot control it. Basically, it's like waving your white flag. Okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You're right. Uncle, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not as strong as I think I am because I remember feeling like that. Like, I got this. I got this. I'm going to figure this out. I got this. I got this. Like, I will figure this out. It's fine. I'm in control. I'm fine. I got this handled. I will figure out a plan. No, you don't have it handled. You're a disaster. You have no idea what you're doing. You're screwing up. You're not in control. You're not as strong as you think you are. You are powerless against sin. You are. It has this hold on you and you can't break it on your own. So until you put your pride aside and realize, okay, I'm not as good as I think I am, you're going to continue down the same path. And the Bible says that our fruits will show that. You will be able to see the people who don't put their pride aside and just keep trying to do it on their own. You will see the fruits of their life. You will see the addiction. It, it will be rotten fruit. It's not going to be abundant. And maybe at first it is like, I have a, an addict in my life who was very close to me. And you know, he's like, I'm not at rock bottom. I'm fine. I have a good job. I have a license. I don't have any DUIs. I'm still married. I'm, you know, I do all of my chores at home that I need to do. I'm, I'm functioning. I'm fine. And it's like, well, you are right now, but how do you feel? You know, because he feels terrible. He feels terrible. Mental health destroyed, depressed, suicidal. He feels terrible. So I like to ask people who feel like they have it together. Well, how do you feel? You know, how do you feel? Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel purposeful? Do you feel abundant? Do you have joy just exploding from you every single day? No? Okay. Well, that's a sign of your fruit. Your, your worldly fruit might be ripe and bright and big and beautiful, but let's talk about your spiritual fruit. Let's talk about your relationships. Let's talk about your strongholds. You know, how do you feel? Because you will feel good if you're linked with God. So when you finally are like, okay, mercy. I need it. I can't do this on my own. Lord, help me. And you say that prayer. I believe that you came for me. Make me new. Change me. Heal me. Work in me. 
all you have to do is ask because he's like, oh, finally, like I've already said that I will do this for you. I don't know why you're so hardheaded and feel like I won't do this for you and, and why you're running from me and hiding because, you know, once we're, we have that shame and, you know, if you feel like you're managing your sin, you're like, I deserve to go out and drink. I'm having fun. I'm, you know, this is okay. Like I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. I can do this. When you're justifying your sin, you're also hiding from God, because I promise you, you're not going to turn and dive deep in your Bible on Saturday morning and spend the whole day with God because you're embarrassed because you're hiding from God. You're saying out loud, like, I'm fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter because you're trying to convince yourself that it is okay. But you know, deep down that it's not, you know, deep down that you shouldn't be doing that, even though you're like, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm having fun. Like I deserve to have fun. It's all just, you know, it's fine. It was innocent fun. I didn't do anything wrong, but you know, and then you hide from God because you don't want him to know, I guess, but he does know you don't want to talk about it. You just want to continue your life. Like it's fine. So you're robbing yourself from all of this. If you want a new heart and you need a new heart, all you have to do is ask. That's it. I told my son this the other day. He was all upset that he didn't have snow boots that fit him anymore. And, you know, they're growing like weeds. I am five foot 10 and both of my boys are taller than me and they are in eighth grade. Okay. They're 13 years old and they're taller than me. So at the beginning of the snow season, their boots fit them. And now my son's boot gives him blisters and he's like melting down all upset. Like I can't go shovel snow and make money because I don't have boots that fit me. I'm like, all you have to do is ask me. I am your mother. I will buy you boots that fit you. Have you asked? You've not, how am I supposed to know that your boots don't fit you? I, I don't, I have no idea. If you don't tell me, hey mom, my boots don't fit me anymore. My feet are growing and I have blisters on the back of my feet. I have no clue. So I am your mom. I will buy you boots. Cause he's like, I don't have any money. You're 13. I will buy you a pair of snow boots. Like you don't have to save up your money to buy your snow stuff. I got you but you have to ask. I can't help you if you don't ask. And it's really the same thing. God is our father. And he's like, dude, all you got to do is ask. Like, just ask me. You're literally not asking. You're struggling and you're, you're going through life and you're like, why? And a lot of people that have given their life to God that are like, yes, I've said the sinner's prayer, Taryn, but none of this is happening to me. It's like, well, because you're not asking. You're not doing the things that you're supposed to do next. And I'll ask my husband, well, did you pray? You know, things at work happen. And I'm like, did you pray that you would get, you know, that customer? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you did. You did. You sat in your office and closed your eyes and you truly asked God and you talked to him. Well, no, I'm like, that's not praying then. Like you have to actually be like, okay, God, eliminating distractions. I need you. Help me, like, you don't have to fold your hands and face a certain direction and be in a certain position, but you need to eliminate distractions. You can't just be like, oh, Lord, help me. You know, like sometimes that's all you can say and just saying the name of Jesus is so powerful, but you need to be talking. And if you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to talk to God, you don't know the difference between praying and meditating because meditation isn't just this like, woo, woo, I'm a weird person, like, no, meditating is when you're sitting quietly and you're listening to God talk to you. It's like, it's like God phoning you. 
and praying is you phoning to God. Like, uh, Hey, what's up? (laughs) I need your help. So if you want to know more about prayer, I recorded two episodes last year, episode 80 and episode 85 are praying part one and praying part two. So listen to them in order. They build on each other, but it really is a superpower that you have been given to unlock greatness and abundance and blessings and gifts. It's incredible, incredible. So don't, don't miss that because just talking and asking God, help me change me will change you. And he will change your desires. He will make you brand new. So the first thing you need to do is just ask God to give you a healthy heart. And the second thing that you need to do is you need to heal past wounds because God is going to change you, but you're still going to act the same way that you've always acted. So I have another friend who uh, went to rehab for alcohol and came out and was sober for a couple of weeks and then relapsed. Well, it's the reason why you relapsed is because yes, now you have the tools and you've learned, I'm going to stop drinking. I have a problem. I need to change. Okay. You know what to do, but then you go back home and you're triggered by the same things, the same things that you experienced and you numbed them with alcohol. The same things are still going to happen to you. You're still going to experience the same problems but now you want to run to alcohol and it's like, well, now what I'm still being triggered. I'm still struggling. Of course you can remain sober in rehab. They don't let you drink there. (laughs) They don't let you drink there. You have to remain sober. And then you're in this little safe bubble. My grandma has been sober for like, um, 25 years, I think. And she tried three times to get sober. And finally the third time she did, and she said rehab was the fav- her most favorite place she's ever been. She's like, if I could have lived forever in rehab, I would have. It was the safest, most comfortable place to be because you can't drink. You can't drink. And no one around you is drinking. And nothing is triggering you to drink because you all are avoiding triggers. You don't have kids screaming in your face. You don't have other people around you drinking. You don't have drama in your life and in your family and in your job. And you don't have any of these things. So if you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to get a new heart and everything's going to be fine. Well, no, you'll have a brand new heart, but you're still going to be triggered. You're still going to experience hardships and problems in your life or, okay, so you have a new heart, but you still have control problems because of your abandonment or because of your trauma or because of your sexual abuse growing up, now you try to control everything around you to make sure nothing happens. You're still a control freak, even though you have a brand new heart. You still are the way you are because of what you experienced. And anyone would be who you are, who's experienced what you've experienced. A lot of people feel a lot of trauma and shame and guilt. And I write about this in my book that oh, this happened to me, or I was, I was raped, or I was abused, or I was neglected, or I was abandoned. And now I act like this because of it. Well, anybody would act like this because of it. You're normal. 
for what you went through, you're acting like a normal person would, but instead the devil tells you you're crazy and you're weird and you're all messed up. No, you're pretty normal. Like I would, I would guess you're pretty textbook. If you were abandoned and raped when you were younger, I could pretty much guess how you're coping and how you're dealing with things now, if you haven't had any healing or help or therapy or problems or anything like that. So you have to heal those past wounds. And it's why I re-enrolled again into my 12-step recovery program, New Life, because I'm like, I'm not healed. I, I'm healed a lot. There are a lot of things. I no longer struggle with my abandonment. I no longer struggle with my self-worth and my self-doubt. Um, I no longer struggle with my pride or really the approval of others, which were the biggest things that held me. I still very much struggle with control. I still very much struggle with a lot of things and I need that healing to continue. And if you're local to me, you can sign up and you can be a part of that at my church. And it's just absolutely incredible. There's like 150 people that have registered. If you're not local to me, you can go to my Instagram at Taryn Sarconi, click on the link in my bio, scroll to the bottom. I have a section that's called resources. And I linked the new life directory on there. So when you click on the link, you can select in-person or virtual and you can type in your address and it'll tell you the closest place to you if it's in person that you can attend and you can register. Or if you want to be a part of it virtually, you can do it virtually too. So it's not just if you're in my area, you can be a part of it. You can be a part of this anywhere and you can be in this recovery program for over 120 different things, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, body image, spending, gambling, pornography. I mean, tons of stuff, like severe, severe stuff. And then other things where you're like, that's not really a big deal. Like I'm a people pleaser and have poor boundaries, whatever. Well, no, it's not whatever. These are things that you need to heal and you need to move forward. A healthy heart is full of gratitude, hope, forgiveness, and love. So if you're bitter and you're resentful, your heart is calloused because you're so angry and you're upset at what happened, it, it's impossible for that to just be overflowing with gratitude and joy and forgive. You know, it's, it's counterintuitive. You can't have both. So to have a healthy heart and you pray for God to give you one. And he says, okay, here's the shell of a healthy heart. You have the opportunity to have a healthy heart, but now we need to fill it with things that are going to help us. So it's aligning. What does God say to do? What does he say that we should be doing day to day? How should we be living? Should we forgive people? Should we forget what happened to us? Living your life in alignment with what God says helps your heart to be filled with healthy things. So you have to have it filled with gratitude, hope, forgiveness, and love. But it's impossible to fill it with those things if it's already full with trauma, tragedy, resentment, anger, bitterness. And you, you can't, you can't have both. So What's great though, is thinking that someday our physical heart is going to be the last beat and our body will die, but the spiritually healthy heart 
that God creates the shell and helps you to fill it with gratitude, hope, forgiveness, and love, that's going to last forever. I'm truly, that will last forever. So it can feel overwhelming and following Jesus is not overwhelming. And it's really simple. It seems like, okay, I gotta, I gotta forgive him and I gotta grow past this. And I really have that trauma I should deal with. And I have to do therapy and I need to do this new life program. I should be reading. I need to get a Bible. I need to schedule. Like it can be overwhelming. Like, oh, I have so much to do. It's, it's so much. And I'm overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. That's just the devil trying to confuse you and trying to get you to feel like, oh, you don't even have time for what you need to do now. Now you're going to have time to do like devotionals and Bible studies and get plugged into a church. Like it, he's going to trick you and get you to feel like this is just too much. Like I can't do this. I need a drink. You know, like I just can't do this. I need to run back to the thing that makes me feel comfortable. But I want you to just focus on this, this one thing. If you focus on this one thing, everything else will fall into place. You need to focus on day-to-day living. And you learn this when you're in rehab. You learn this when you're in recovery. It's don't think, okay, I'm going to quit drinking. Oh, but what about that wedding? What about that wedding that I'm going to next month? I'm going to want to drink there. I mean, everyone's going to be drinking there. So I don't want to not be the only one drinking. Well, maybe I'll stop drinking after the wedding. Well, what's between now and the wedding? Oh, well, then there's summer. You know, if you're thinking of the things in the past, I just did that today with um, thinking about dieting and exercising. I guess I don't really want to say dieting, but I just need to be eating less sugar at night and I need to be eating better food during the day. I need to be doing this. This has to happen. I also need to get my butt to the gym. And I know that I pay for a gym membership. I've had it for two years. I've gone maybe two times in the last year. Like I literally never go anymore and I'm paying $45 a month. Keep telling myself I'm going to go, um, which drives my husband absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. He's like, then just cancel the membership if you're not going to go. I'm like, but I have intentions of going. So I want to keep it because if I'm paying for it, I'm hoping that's going to get me to go, but it, it doesn't. But so even this morning, I'm like, I have to eat healthy and I have to work out. I have to. I'm like, that's it. I'm not eating any more sugar. I'm like, well, it's Sophia's ninth birthday this weekend. So I'm probably going to want to eat the cake. We're going to have cupcakes. There's going to be cookies. Like maybe I'll start on Monday. I'm like, well, no, because next week we have the thing on Thursday. And I know that there's going to be desserts there. And so I'm all, I'm literally already talking myself out of eating healthy and working out today because in two weeks, I'm going to eat a cupcake. Like, are you even kidding? Like what is going on? And it's, it's, you have to just focus on today, focus on today. And they tell you that in recovery, like just stay sober today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, you might not be sober today. You're going to be sober today. Today, I'm going to eat healthy food that my body is going to use for nourishment and I'm going to do some sort of physical activity today. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not this weekend, but today I'm going to do this. And so this is how you have to live is this day-to-day mindset of focusing on the things that truly matter. And the podcast here is wake up and set your mind on things above, not on worldly things. We are waking up our minds. We are waking up ourselves to our calling, focusing on things that truly matter, not getting so 
overwhelmed. Yes, Matthew 634. We are not being bogged down with all of the things to think about, all the addictions, all the coping, all the problems, all the things in our past, all the things that are going to happen in our future. It is like, no, what is happening today? What can you do today that is going to help you focus and live your life for God today? It starts with finding time. I mean, truly, that's what it starts with is today, where do you have time to put Jesus into your schedule? And if you feel like you don't have time, you just need to look at it a little different and prioritize because you can find time while you're driving to work. You can find time by waking up earlier or by staying up later or by going on a social media fast and saying, I'm not going to go on social media for the next week. And I'm going to see if I have more time in my life. I am not a person who is on my phone very often. I absolutely hate phones and social media so much. I hate just the endless scroll. I do find myself scrolling all the time and I hate it. And I try to stay off my phone, but because I'm becoming such an old woman, I started playing Sudoku, Sudoku, Sudoku. I'm like, what am I a hundred? I'm like playing this. Me and my husband play this game on our phones. You do too. Okay, good. Caitlin does too. This makes me feel so much better. I'm like, I am so old, (laughs) like literally such an old woman. I'm like, we're both playing this in our bed together before we go to sleep. I'm like, who are we? But now I find myself playing this game and I'm like, okay, one more game. Okay. One more game. I'm like, this is good. It's like challenging my brain. It's like keeping me going. This is good. Well, next thing I know it, it's been an hour and I've played all these puzzles, which is great. It's good for your brain. It's good to think. It's not like you're on social media, scrolling, comparing, but I'm like, dude, I (laughs) curl up on the couch with a blanket and play. It's so fun. It is. It's so fun. And it's like, no matter what your vice is, you know, maybe you're playing a different game on your phone. You're playing Candy Crush. You're playing Tetris. You're playing eight ball pool. You're, you know, whatever it is that you're playing on your phone or you're scrolling, or maybe you're doing puzzles or, you know, watching movies, watching documentaries. Like it doesn't have to be, oh, we're getting belligerently wasted at the bar or we're, we're smoking a blunt in the garage. You know, it doesn't have to be like the deepest, biggest thing to distract you. It could be just like a guilty pleasure that you like. like, oh, I like doing this. And that's fine. I'm not saying Sudoku is of the devil and, you know, it's distracting you from God. But if you're saying you don't have time, check the stats on your phone, go to settings, go look at your time on your phone. Because my phone gave me a notification yesterday that said the average amount of time that I spend on my phone per day last week was seven hours and 50 minutes. What? I tell people all the time, I'm barely on my phone. I like hate my phone. Um, well, you're on it for almost eight hours a day. So please tell me what in the world you're doing on something that you absolutely hate. Did I have time to read my Bible every day last week? No, I didn't. Did I do my study on the gospel of John that I keep saying I'm going to do every single day? Did I do that? No, I didn't. I literally didn't even start it. But I have eight hours a day that I can just be on my phone doing whatever. Like we do have time. I don't care how busy you are. 
you have time, you have a break, you have a drive in the car, you can listen to something while you get ready. You need to find the time and then you need to plan that time into your day before the day starts. And when I do this, I am on it. I do not miss a day and I am good to go. If I have it in my mind, like I'm waking up at six and from six to seven 30, this is the study I'm doing. I set all my stuff out the night before. I'm like, this is my devotional. This is my notebook. Here's my Bible. Here's my highlighters. I get the coffee already made up. My kitchen's clean before I go to bed and I am proactive about it. And I know when my alarm goes off, I'm getting up and this is what I'm doing. I will do it. But when I just fall asleep and don't have a plan and I'm like, I'll get up early and do something. And then I'm like, snooze, 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 snooze. And then I know it's really bad when I just go in and edit the time of the alarm clock. You know, like I don't want to keep pressing snooze. I'm just going to change it for an hour later. And then I'm like, I'll do it later in the day. I don't have to wake up. I have all day. I know I'm not going to do it because I get busy doing what? I don't know, I guess being on my phone. (laughs) So you have to be like, this is the part that I'm doing. I'm going to listen to this while I drive to work. This is what I'm listening to. I already have it saved. I already have the link. I already am ready. This is what I'm doing. You have to have a plan before the day starts. And this is a huge key on being proactive in anything, in anything that you do. And in my book, I have a whole chapter on being proactive versus reactive. And how you can set up your life so that you're not feeling like you're running late and overwhelmed and stressed out and just burnt out and just running from thing to thing. So you need to put Jesus on your agenda every single day. And this can be, it needs to be a mix. For me, it needs to be prayer and reading. It needs to be both of those things. So I like to set aside time to pray and then time to study and read scriptures and and learn. So I'm like talking to God and then I'm learning what he says. And I like to do both of these things together. And it can be a devotional. uh, It could be a Bible study. You can just grab your Bible and just open it up randomly and just start reading. It doesn't matter. I do have a list of resources for you because this is the reason why so many people don't do this is because they have no idea what to do. And the Bible doesn't make sense. They don't know where to start. They don't know anything about it. And it's like, I don't understand the Bible. I don't know what I'm reading. This is like, what is, what am I even doing right now? So I have a list of beginner studies and Bibles and things that make sense. If you click on the link in my bio on Instagram, again, everything is always there. Um, the domain is going to be changed to Um, I'm in the process of doing that for my book notes. And because I have a lot of things in my book that I refer to uh, go on here and get. So soon it will be terrensarconi.com. And I already own the domain. I just need to change it around. But click the link in my bio on Instagram and you can scroll down and I have a link where they're books and devotionals that I recommend. And when you click on it, it takes you to my Amazon page. And I have a, um, I have all the books lined up on there. So you can see the books and you can see, I have Bibles, I have books, and then I have devotionals. So you can see, like, if you want a devotional, something to open every day and look at, there are some devotions that I recommend. Um, also really to eat, um, easy read Bibles, even for kids. And if you're just starting out where you're like, I have no idea how to read a Bible or anything, get a children's Bible. 
it sounds crazy, but you will learn so much by getting a children's Bible and just start reading these stories. So you need to mix it between this. If you have no idea how to spend time with God and the thought of doing that is overwhelming, listen to episode 40. It's time with God and it goes through how to have time with God. But you need to be putting this into your agenda every single day and you need to get your butt in a church. You got, you have to. Now, can you never go to church and still go to heaven? A hundred percent. This isn't going to church as a religious, you're not going to make it to heaven. You're not a good enough Christian if you don't go to church. It has nothing to do with that. It's you want to get yourself around a group of people that are like-minded, that are going to breathe life, that are going to be of God around you because you, chances are you're probably living in a community and in a world and in a job that's just filled with the world. So you need to get around. Like I was talking about earlier with Caitlin, my kids being in school and being in public school and being around that influence, it's impossible to act holy and to be of God when you don't know how to do that and you're a baby Christian and you're with all these people in the world. So you need to get around like-minded people and get into a church. Hebrews 10, 25 is a scripture that I always repeat to myself, especially when I don't want to do podcasts. It's not that I don't want to do them. It's that the devil tricks me and gets me all in my head thinking about myself and takes the focus off of other people. And then I don't want to do it. And the scripture is let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So every day, the day that Jesus is returning is getting closer and closer and closer. But the scripture says all the more as you see the day approaching, because in the Bible, at the end of the Bible in Revelation, it talks about how terrible the world is going to be before Jesus comes back. And we're pretty much there. The evilness, the nastiness, the wars, the tragedy, the natural disasters, the things that are happening. The scripture is saying, as you see the world fall apart and get worse and worse, you better be getting together more because you're going to need more encouragement from one another. And you need to make a habit of doing this. So this scripture is telling you, get connected. John 8, 31 through 32 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The word disciple um, actually comes from, the root word is discipline, which comes from the Latin word disciples, which means student. So most people believe a disciple is a follower. We hear that like, oh, they were the 12 disciples. They were the followers of Jesus. But in reality, when you look at the root word of the Latin part of the word, it means student, as in one who studies. So if you read that again, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word and you are truly studying my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So 
if you focus on the one thing you focus on is day-to-day living, I am going to spend time today with God, getting to know him better and talking to him. I'm going to spend some time today. Now you don't have to do eight hours. You know, you don't have, even have to do one hour. You can start with literally 10 minutes. Like I'm going to set a timer for 10 minutes. And before I get in the shower, I'm going to close my eyes while the water's getting warm. And for five minutes, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to help me throughout my day. And for another five minutes, I'm going to listen to an audio clip from the free Bible app that you can download on your phone. It's free. It's called Bible and it's free. And they have daily devotionals that you can listen to that are less than five minutes long. They also have notifications you can turn on where it gives you, here's the verse of the day. And then you can click on it and it tells you a little bit about it if you want to. So this doesn't have to be something that you're waking up at four in the morning and diving deep into a study. Now, as you get closer to God, this will be you. You will be like, I cannot get enough of God's word. And I find myself spending time with God every moment I can, because it is something that is going to be like that. You might be listening to this and feeling like that. Like, yeah, I do this all the time because I can't get enough. You just have to study the word and you will, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. That means you probably heard that before. The truth will set you free or like heard that term, like, you know, freedom in Christ. What it means, like what I've found it to mean through personal experience is you will have the freedom, which is the opposite of bondage, which is the opposite. Freedom is the opposite of captivity. And If you think of being held in a dark cell by the devil in unforgiveness and anger and resentment and bitterness and control and you're people pleasing and you have poor boundaries and you just keep saying yes and you're overwhelmed and you're burnt out, that's not freedom. That's not what Jesus came and died for was for you to have this terrible life, but at least you get to go in heaven. He wants you to have eternal life with him, but he has called you to do something here. He wants you to live in freedom so that you can realize who you are and how special you are. And if you don't realize how special you are and you still hate yourself, you hate the way you are, you hate the way that you act, you hate the things you say, you hate the things that control you. If you hate God's creation, and I know because I used to, I used to hate everything about myself. And even hearing me say this might bring tears in your eyes because when I say this to people face-to-face, I I see them just start to fall apart in front of me. That if you hate who you are and you hate everything about yourself, you're in bondage. You are. And, And that's where the devil wants you because you can't live your life on purpose. You can't live this fulfilled, passionate, purposeful life where you feel joy and gratitude and love and you don't have it. And so by him silencing you, he's basically keeping you in this cell that's not even locked. It just appears that it's locked. You feel isolated and you're holding yourself in this cell. You're not going out and making more disciples. You're not going out and telling people about Jesus. You're not going and showing people, I once was dead and now I'm alive. People want to see your transformation. That's really your testimony. That's what turns people to God is like, Whoa, Taryn used to be a drug addict. I used to know her. She literally used to steal 
And now she's writing a book and she talks about church all the time. And she's so happy and she's so different. People need to see the change in you. They need to see your progress. They need to see once you were this way and now you're that way. So if you just stay in the cell and don't let anyone ever see you and you don't ever change, then then you're not going to do damage to darkness. You're not on God's team. Now, this is a spiritual war, good versus evil. And the devil is trying to wipe out as many soldiers of Christ as he can because he doesn't want you to do anything. And I heard this recently that when, when you're in a war and the, the side is trying to win, what they'll do is they will take you and capture you, which I've always known this, you know, prisoner of war and they capture you, but they try to capture the leaders and just seclude them and pull them away. Because if they can get a big group of people without the, the mouthpiece, without the strong ambassadors telling you what to do, then people are like lost. They're like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. So the devil is after the stronger ones. So if you feel like he's been after you since you've been born or since before you've been born, before you were conceived, he was after your family and your lineage and your genealogy. And, and he's just been after you since you've been born, just problem after problem after problem. Chances are you're probably a really strong, awesome pawn piece soldier in this strategy. And the devil is like, we need to take her out ASAP. Like we need to take her out ASAP because she is going to make a huge difference in the kingdom. She is going to just be telling everyone she's going to have so much influence. We need to keep her in bondage. We need to put some duct tape on her mouth, put her in the cell, close the door. This is a problem. And there's a quote, um, it's like a meme or a quote that went around social media that said, be the type of woman that when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed and your feet hit the floor, the devil says, oh shoot, she's up. She's awake. Get ready because Caitlin's awake. She is going to do some damage to us today. That's who you want to be is this woman, but it starts with having a healthy heart. It starts by asking God to give you one and then going through the proper channels to heal it. Go to therapy, go to the new life program, find a virtual program to be a part of, go to rehab, whatever you have going on, you need to heal it. You need to move forward. If you're like, Taryn, I've tried therapy go see a different therapist. This time, pray that God leads you to the right therapist that you need to go to. You've tried therapy on your own. Was it a Christian therapist? Did you pray before? Go do that and try it again. And if that one doesn't work, then try another one. And if you've already tried, I've already tried rehab, try again. I've already tried talking to someone, try again. Try again and link with God and ask him to help you and lead you and give you power to do this and the power to heal. And if you're also like, I have no idea what's holding me back, because this is a very real thing too, is a lot of people will be like, I don't know what my problem is. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of trauma. I don't have like this big thing that's happened to me in my life. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I want all God has to offer me and I don't know what areas I'm weak in and I'm just kind of blinded by that. Ask God to reveal to you the areas in your life that you need healing. God, I don't know where I need healing, but I'm sure I need healing somewhere. Expose it, bring it to life. Show me the areas of my life that I need healing and connect me to the right people that are going to help me to heal. 
I mean, that's literally, you don't have, prayer is so amazing because you don't have to know what you're praying for. You just have to ask God to do it for you. Like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, God. Can you just lead me? Lead me to a book that I need to read. Lead me to a, a podcast or or an episode of something, or just help me to get the help that I need. Lead me to the right person, the right scripture, the right book, whatever it is, God, lead me to the right church. Lead me to the right table at church, the right seat at church, around the right group members at church. Pray. And if you're waking up and you're praying and you're asking for help, God will really help you. And if you need a list of prayers, I have those as well on that link that you can click on. I have a prayer list for moms over their children. And then I have a regular just prayer list of prayers that I ask God for daily. So it's okay if your heart is unhealthy right now, or it's just starting to get healthy. It's progress, not perfection. It's progress over time. But if your heart is healthy, you're able to bounce out of the valley so fast. Like you're like, oh, I was going there, but nope. I know my identity. I know my worth. I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. Satan, get behind me, get beneath me, get away from me. I am moving forward. You're not going to hold me down. And you're like, oh, right on the path. And you're right back following God again. And that's what we want to do to have a healthy heart. So you're like, just, oh, I was in the Valley for like two minutes and now I'm out. I was in there for half a day and now I'm back on my path, headed up towards the peak. So you can avoid falling. You really can like your harness that you're going to clip to yourself. That's going to keep you from falling is attached to God. And you're like this, if you don't clip your harness on, then you will fall, but you have to clip it on. You can't just say, okay, okay, I'm going to clip it. No, you have to actually do it. You have to take the steps. You can't just keep talking about it. So start with one thing. Where in your schedule are you going to fit to spend time with God today? Don't even start tomorrow. Today. Download the Bible app and open it up and listen to one little five-minute thing today. Get in your car before you leave for work, play it. Or come home before you walk in your house and you're still in your driveway, listen to it in your car for five minutes. Before you pick up your kids from daycare, before you, you know, go to bed, play it. While you're brushing your teeth and washing your face tonight, play it. Like You can do that. And I also have linked on there some of my best favorite ever sermons that are for someone who's in the Valley, um, sermons that helped me get out of the Valley while I was getting out two years ago. These were the sermons that I listened to that changed my life. And I have all of those linked as well under, I think it's like must watch sermons or something on that link. And there's maybe like four of them, but they're all series. So some of them have like 10 parts or four parts or six parts. I, that can keep you busy for a really long time, just listening to those. Um, but you're not alone. You know, you're not alone. And we all fall short in sin. All of us do. So don't let the devil keep you in that bondage of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this and I need to change. It's fine. You're a new creation. Repent, turn to God, stop hiding from him and say, give me everything you have for me. Help me, lead me, guide me, strengthen my heart, fill it with the goodness, help me purge out the badness. I want all you have to offer for me. That's it. That's all God wants you to do is just ask. He's your father. He wants to give you every single gift under the sun. He wants to pour them out on you, but he's not going to force them on you. He wants you to ask. That's all he wants. So, okay. I love you so much. Thank you for being on live.
And thanks to everyone else who's listening. I hope you have a very blessed day. Bye. Thank you for waking up with me today and setting your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And I pray that God leads you and guides you to your promised land and your fear and your worry and your doubt all wash away. If you are stuck in the valley and you are feeling hopeless and helpless, please download my five steps to hope valley guide that will tell you step by step by step how to get out of the valley and just stay out of the valley. You can find that on the link on my Instagram, as well as tons of other free tools, prayers, printouts for your identity, and to get my favorite list of books, devotions um, for adults and for kids. Also learn my favorite accountability software that I use for my kids and check out my favorite must watch sermons if you're in the valley. Thank you. God bless.